0: Good morning, it's that time again, Sunday morning, a little after 8 o'clock. Dave Sherwood, I'm here with Todd Glick Jr. Are you Todd Glick Jr. today? Or? I'm, I'm definitely Todd Glick Jr. today. Okay, so yep. and we're, and we're uh, Dean and Dylan couldn't join us today, we'll, we'll miss them uh, and look for them to return. I wasn't here last week, so I don't know what you guys talked about last week, but I'm sure it was Probably. It was just all about you. It was probably lacking. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, whenever I go, when I go to LA four or five times a year and and I try to come back with some intelligent observations. This is true. uh, You know, uh, because outside of the the little, our little Tucson cocoon, which is very safe and secure and wonderful, Mm -hmm. uh, there's stuff going on. And a couple of things, a couple of takeaways, Todd, from my, from my trip, um, a lot of people have left California. Yes. And I only know that because in talking to my daughter and her husband, uh, they were mentioning this friend, that friend, in Texas, that one's in Florida, and this. Oh, yeah. They've moved. And a, a number of them have moved to Phoenix, to Scottsdale specifically. And uh, uh, the son in law said,
1: yeah, a lot of people have left. There's something in common with all those states. Which is. Oh, they. Well. No, Arizona, no Texas, Texas, and Florida. Yeah. Well, for sure. Well, I mean, Arizona's not as red as it used to be. No, if um, you
0: if you didn't mind flat, and see, I'm not a flatlander. I grew up in eastern South Dakota, which is flat farmland. Mm-hmm. I'm not a flatlander. I got to have some mountains sticking up.
1: But if you can tolerate flat land, uh, not paying state income tax would be nice. I couldn't imagine living in anywhere without mountains. No. Well, I mean, we take it for granted.
0: Yeah. But they're so beautiful. We do take it for granted. And speaking of which, the on the drive over there, uh, not only are there a lot of mountains to look at. And, there, uh, but this year, the flowers were off the charts and you don't have to go very far. All you have to do is drive to Phoenix. I think the best wildflowers on the whole 500 mile trip were from Tucson to Phoenix, uh, fields of yellow, purple, uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah. uh, uh, stuff you don't ever see. No. And of course, uh, uh No brown, everything was green. And I reminded my wife, we went on the 17th. I told my wife that was just because of St. Patrick's Day.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, you say all those flowers are obviously due to a lot of weather that we've had here, a lot of rain that's, um, and a lot of snow. Yes. Well, the 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 Salt River Project, which is runs through Tempe, I run I run by it every day. I have never seen it flow like it's done before. They cleared out the entire dam, um, the entire wash, I should say. Used to be a lot of homeless there. They cleared it all out and uh, cut down all the. The, the trees and the brush and the debris, and they let it overflow. And it's flowing great right now, and it's incredible how much it's flowing. We see it here in Tucson, too, with the, the rivers higher than it normally is. I mean, it's impressive with how much water we get.
0: It, it is. It's a, the it's a, a coldest and wettest winter I can remember, and it's exactly what we needed, yep. uh, you know, for, to, to break some of this drought. But, it's, you know, we've still got a long ways to go. Um, I did, it's, it's talking about Phoenix, uh, I noticed that uh, uh, when I come up the 10, I take the 202, uh, cut diagonally over to the 10 West to save right. myself a little time and not have to be in the traffic in right. central Phoenix, right, which right. is, uh, and, and there's lakes on the 202, there actually are lakes <laughs> over there, I mean, pretty significant lakes, uh, it was pretty, pretty wonderful to see, and Colorado River, you know, crossing the the, the Colorado River is always kind of my benchmark. I look and go, "Oh god, look at that." And uh if you cross from uh east to west on the north side of the uh road, uh there is an island in the middle of the Colorado River and it, it's uh, taken up about 60 or 70% of the of the width of the river. Uh this last time you could barely see it. it was wow. Just a little tip of it sticking out. It was totally underwater. Now, I don't know who's releasing water i don't think lake Meads releasing water uh, probably the dam at parker uh, would be my guess all uh is where that water is coming from parker of course has lots of recreational activities uh, uh on the river and but i mean if you if you continue to get rain and snow in there you've got to release it at some point or yeah or your hotels are going to be underwater and i think that's where it's coming from i can't imagine releasing water from lake
1: mead at this point yeah i mean the lakes are going to be absolutely filled up this summer the only problem is they're going to be a lot browner than normal right yeah. with all the all just the run happens with the runoff it's what yeah. happens right
0: uh, it, it is and of course the uh, Rito still runs and it will run until the snow melts done and uh but that one of the things that i noted on my trip was commerce is alive and well uh, trains, a uh, long, long trains. Now the longest train in history, Todd is, was in Australia, in the outbacks of Australia, where they do mining equipment. They had a four mile long train. It was actually 4.2 miles long. Hmm. That's the longest train in history. They weren't four miles long, but they were easily a mile long. The trains were easily a mile long, which wow. is a heck of a train. Yeah. And they were coming and going both ways. And that it, one didn't derail. That not No, not so far. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, semis, a uh, ton of semis uh, on the road. So commerce is alive. The economy is alive and well. I'll tell you, one of the booming businesses I recognized as we drove there was is warehouses. There is such a boom in building of warehouses. And I'm
1: not smart enough to really figure out why that's happening. There's a couple being built in Gladden Farms right now on the way up to Phoenix. You can see them, and they're gigantic. And they look like they're lease- and they're
0: identical. Warehouses. They're, and they're identical, identical and they're
1: huge. They're not meant for any one particular business. It's and, just built to lease. Yeah, and they they look like they're side-by-side. Side. Uh, they right. they're are side-by-side. Well, they don't
0: look like they are side-by-side. Side. And as you go further up to get west of Phoenix, you see them
1: all over the place. They're all over the west of Phoenix. Yeah,
0: yeah. and, and uh, it, uh, getting closer you get to L.A., the more of them you see. And it's just, uh, it's just phenomenal. So uh, th- 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 commerce is good. Economy's good. Uh warehouses are booming. I didn't see a single mask in Los Angeles, not a single one. Uh, uh so you know we talk about the pandemic being over. I still
1: I still see mask people out here in Tucson walking
0: do. around with masks. You do. I went to a couple of parties over there, birthday parties i was over there for grandson's birthday party. And there, were, there were probably 100 people at the party, not a single mask. Nobody social distancing or showing the least bit concern about it, which is nice cuz 3 years ago right now is when the world shut down. Yeah. And I cannot, I could not imagine at that point that life would be normal in just three years.
1: And I mean, we're back to normal. I think I was on the other side of that. I was naive. I thought we'd be back to normal in like six months. Um, I didn't realize how bad it was.
0: I was a little naive myself. My daughter was calling up, freaked out about it. And I said, honey, this happens all the time. Bird flu, SARS, Uh, You know, relax. It's going to be fine. It's no big deal. Oh, yeah. I guess not. No big deal. Right. And I did <laughs> see something really interesting. Probably the most interesting part of my whole trip was a car, a, a, a car transport with seven cars on it, seven brand new lucids. Oh, wow. How about that? I've never even seen a lucid in person. And here there were seven of them on this car transport.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was talking with someone on Friday about <coughs> the lucid car. Me. And he, he, he knows someone who owns a hundred, owns a lucid it's like one hundred eighty thousand dollars for the car I mean, that's a lot of money yeah. for a car yeah it says it's absolutely beautiful in it he thinks it's way better than the tesla so another one of those things where we we're talking a lot about tesla how the, the market share there's a lot of other cool evs out there right now
0: there are there are and it's it, i think my, my biggest concern about about some of these one-off evs or the lucids or whatever is what happens if
1: they don't make it right and you have one now what well it's like a saturn who's going to fix it is Saturn still around? I don't know. You know, the car, the Saturn? Yeah. But it's I like,
0: remember I remember when the Teslas first came out, and One of uh, a doctor friend of mine uh, bought a $120,000 Tesla. And uh, I said to another friend of ours, I said, I can't believe he's putting that kind of money out in the, uh, on a pig in a poke, really, because, I mean, he didn't know. And my other buddy said, unless it doesn't matter. And that—that's a good, very good observation. Yeah. Uh, for this guy, 120 grand. If he'd lost lost half, of it, it wouldn't be, wouldn't matter. He wouldn't even notice it probably. The uh, market. Want to talk a little
1: bit about the market? What a wild week. Yes, we had a lot of swings. Uh, you know, Monday we came in and it was, the you know, finally we had some resolution here in America, but then what happened over in Europe, right? It was specifically Switzerland. Uh, Credit Suisse came under a lot of pressure over the weekend and then there was a shotgun wedding between, kind of forced between UBS and Credit Suisse. UBS is going to buy out Credit Suisse and so that that kind of solved some of the, the pressures over there um, and... Really interesting. Now that that was just the start of the week. You have any comments about just that part of it? Right. But the first two the first two days
0: of the week, we got a good rally because here here comes UBS and buys Credit Swiss. Right. So right. that takes that down. Here's five or six bank consortium looking to buy a FRC. I can't. Uh, yes, First Republic. Thank you, First yeah. Republic Bank. Um, and so you're thinking, oh gosh, things are settling down a little bit. And I think that's why we got that rally the first two days. Yeah. And then, uh, but plus
1: rates plummeted. Right. Plummeted. And so that helps with some valuations as well. And we saw a real flight to safety to what the big tech names, right? Your metas, Nvidia's, your, your some of the big names out there saw the best bids. And I, uh, and obviously meta is an, another one. We'll talk a little bit about their TikTok and things sure. like that. But, uh, we saw a lot of people going to some of these bigger names, kind of like a flight to safety. We also saw gold get bid. We'll talk more about that as well, but it was interesting. These first two days of the week for sure. And then, uh, day number
0: three, uh, was, uh, was, uh, the, uh Powell. Powell, I'm sorry. I was trying to think. I I was off for Monday, so I'm a little confused here. <laughs> right. uh, so, yeah, day number three was Powell raising interest rates by a quarter. Yep. There was some thinking he might not do anything at all, but yeah. I think he felt like the the system could handle a quarter, and it did. Yeah. And you say, well, what do you mean it did? The market was down 500 points. It was down 500 points because Janet Yellen, in congressional testimony, said, no, we have no plan to provide blanket uh, uh, uh Insurance for all all bank accounts, which is what the market really thought the Fed was doing. I mean, Silicon Valley Bank, they came in and bailed out everybody. So how do you not right. bail out everybody at every bank in the country? How come Silicon Valley Bank gets bailed out and nobody else does? So the market was thinking that that was behind us, but Yellen made it clear it's not behind us.
1: Right. And, you know, what about Signature Bank? You know, that's one of the it is like I think it was the 27th largest bank. We, no one talks about that. I thought Signature one. was third. But the New York Bank, right?
0: Yes. Do you know the, the funniest part about that? You can't make oh, this stuff up. You, yeah, you the know dot, where the frank, I'm going? Yeah, yeah, You know, when, when the whole banking crisis began, did you talk about this last week? Because I don't want to no, bore No, we did bore, not. We okay. did not. I don't want to bore people. This is this is so ironic. When, when the bank issues happened in 2008. There was a lot of regulation to see that it didn't happen again. Right. The two primary authors of that legislation were Chris Dodd and Barney Frank. And, and, the Dodd-Frank and, Act. And they call it the Dodd-Frank to this day. Yep. It's the Dodd-Frank Act, right, yep. which which regula- uh, makes sure that banks are not going to ha- ever have a problem. And Signature Bank, which I think is the third largest bank failure in history, on the board of directors of Signature Bank was... <laughs> which one was that? i forget it was a dog frank. frank barney frank yeah i mean it, you, you can't
1: make that Barney up. Frank, uh, the frank the guy who makes the regulations the
0: regulations <laughs> to keep banks safe is on
1: the board of directors of one of the biggest bank failures in history yeah it's you can't make this stuff up you can't and you know going back to the market wasn't exactly sure what the fed was going to do um going up to it i it's actually interesting there there has never been more volatility on the Fed Fund's futures. The Fed Fund futures, for people that don't know, is a way for people to bet on liquid instruments, on, on, on kind of betting, what is the Fed going to do? Are they sure. going to raise 25? Are they going to stay the same, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's, it's ranges in the top five of all time, and the, and the volatility that those Fed futures had leading up to the decision is rivaled by January 2001, September 2001, January and October of 2008, March 2020. Lots what, of volatility. What happened in all those events, we all know, September 11th, 08 and then the pandemic. So we're going through something where there's a lot of volatility right now and people are very uncertain. People are people are nervous. I've had I've had more uh, calls uh,
0: over the last three or four days than I would typically get in in a month. And and it's right. because of the news media. Keep in mind, the stock market was up 1.4% this week. It was up 1.4% this week. It is up for the month. It is up for the year. It's had two consecutive up weeks in a row. Relax and it's so hard to imagine it. Right? It, it, it is. And and the way it, the way it's weathering this banking storm
1: tells you that when when the waters calm, there may be some upside here. You know, and and something I really want to point out, when you look at the year to date performance of the S&P 500, S&P is up 3.4%, but guess what the equal weighted S&P down 1.9%. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? That's a huge, divergence. A huge that's not, divergence. It's usually a lot more narrow than that. Huge divergence. And I think, again, that's showing that the large cap names, it's a, its a flight to safety. People are going to the big names. That's and what then they more comfortable with right and now. And what we mean by
0: equal weighted is essentially all 500 names are given the same weight. In the regular S&P 500 index, it is dollar weighted. So uh, bigger companies have more influence. So right. the Apples, the Microsofts of the world run the ship. Right. And so the equal weighted you could argue is the, probably a better measure of what's really going on. And it's down 1.9% for the year. Right. But the, what we found out about banks, and again, this is, this is all about the banking crisis right now. And if that banking crisis weren't happening, I think the market would be probably in the 4,100 area, maybe two or 3% above where it is. And, and uh, we wouldn't be talking about, but well, obviously we wouldn't be talking about any of this. But we know that the FDIC is important very important but the most important thing with banking is trust yes trust is what makes the system work there is no bank on this planet that has enough
1: reserves to pay a run on the bank the same thing is true for currency yes if you don't trust the currency right what happens hyperinflation right and you know
0: UBS coming in and, and buying Credit Suisse that helped to 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 boost uh, to boost uh, uh, confidence. Yep. But then when Janet Yellen says no, we're not going to do anything, uh, you know what are we going to do? Um, New York's uh, f- uh, community bank, Flagstar, I believe was the name of the bank, took over Signature. That's the Dodd Frank bank um, again. Oh, that's FDIC- scary.
1: My mortgage is a Flagstar.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, again, the, the FDIC insurance is not enough. And why this is happening is banks will. Uh, take in deposits, and deposits can be short to medium term, and then they lend longer term, typically, medium to long term. So you've got to have some reserves, and the Dodd-Frank made the, put the reserves up to 20%, which is enough enough to to cover most withdrawals, right? But if you have a run on the bank where 50% of your people want their money, you've got a
1: problem. And, I, and
0: that's what happened with, with Silicon Valley.
1: Yeah, and so many people they've talked about this endlessly over the last two weeks. We live in a technological era where it is easy to transfer money from one bank to the other, where it wasn't able to be done, you know, in the early two thousands the way it is today, able to be done today. So you need a lot more liquidity available in those banks to be able to take care of those reserve uh, um, withdrawal re- requests. Right. Uh, in the past, you didn't need as much because. It's going to take a couple of days, but now you have things like Zelle. You can transfer it instantly to another bank. I mean, those type of things put a lot more pressure, especially on some of these regional banks. They don't have as much uh, capital on hand. And what happened is,
0: is that the, this Silicon Valley Bank in particular, they had purchased long term treasuries. Now, I'm not sure who was on the investment committee there. It should have been us uh, <laughs> because in March of 21, we went to short term on all yeah. of our treasuries when the treasury market got blasted by 35 percent last year. Yeah. We didn't lose any money, and they
1: had to wait, and yeah, <laughs> and they lost one point eight billion dollars selling these selling these long term treasuries. Right. That's that's the thing that some people were like, well, how could they lose so much money? Well, they were forced to sell it. Forced. If they waited till maturity, they would have got their principal back, and they wouldn't have had this loss. But they couldn't wait. They were forced to sell it because of the capital because of the withdrawal requests. People wanted their money.
0: Right. So you had to do it. And, and, and it just creates a self-perpetuating situation. You know, and it, and it's so pervasive. Huntington Bank shares. This is a, a company out of Columbus, Ohio, Todd. They have the highest insurance to deposit ratio in the country. In other words, the, the mo- they have the most insured FDIC insured accounts of anybody in the country. And that stock is down 20 percent. Hmm. So you know, it, Schwab, how about Schwab? I mean Schwab's just gotten blasted. Uh, the stock was—I'm uh, 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 trying to think—Barclays uh, lowered their price target, but the stock had dropped forty percent. Barclays lowered their price target after after it had dropped forty percent. Like, really? That's when? You, that's when you're going to do it? And uh, the whole crisis started. The uh, uh, Schwab was around eighty bucks. Now in the mid fifties. See, that makes sense because didn't they get a huge inflow? They of did cash. They did. They did. So and, how does that make you? And Bank of America, new 52-week low, they've taken in $20 billion from retail. That one confuses me still. Why is this one down too? So, I, I mean, I think what we're saying here is is uh, if you have a longer time horizon, there might be some opportunity being created, and there always
1: is opportunity created by chaos and fear. You know, that reminds me. We should probably get to our disclaimer before we get too Oh, yeah. We, we have haven't blast, done that as much. i
0: to blast it right through that.
1: Yeah. Uh, sponsor... Uh, The Money Matters Show is sponsored by Greenberg Financial Group, and you can listen on 790 KNST or iHeartRadio. This show discusses different investment products and strategies. Every product and strategy has some type of inherent risk, and we strongly encourage our listeners to properly understand these risks because when when they are understood, one can properly decide whether to buy, sell, or hold. The show has been on the air for over 30 years. Greenberg Financial is located at 4511 North Campbell Avenue. And uh, Greenberg Financial is a member of FINRA and SIPIC and registered with the SEC. You can go to our website, greenbergfinancial.com, to learn more about our firm, who we are, and what we do. You know, all Dean
0: right. does about half that when he does his monologue. Yeah, maybe we can sort He's bogging it. us down. He's, yeah. he's bogging us down, and he just cruises on everything. Oh, what a cool monologue, and then we get stuck getting bogged down with this stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Doesn't seem right. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Deutsche Bank was the latest uh, uh, yep. problem du jour. Uh, and that that happened on Friday we woke
1: up Friday morning to that but there's nothing um, really wrong with them like there's that's not, not like something was like oh they couldn't match their withdrawals or they couldn't cover their withdrawals like what did you see anything that actually said why they were under pressure yes okay. because their credit default swaps spiked
0: right now Let's talk about credit default swaps, right? Let's do it. Because most people don't know what a credit default swap is, but you're going to hear this term a lot. A credit default swap, it's a, it's a type of a derivative that transfers the credit exposure of a fixed income product to somebody else. It's kind of like insurance yeah. on your fixed income portfolio. If the cost of that goes up exponentially, it, it creates problems. Uh, the, the buyer pays an ongoing premium similar to the payments on an insurance policy, and in exchange... The seller agrees to pay the securities value and interest if they default yeah. in 2021, the size of this market Todd was $3 trillion. So a credit default swap is like a canary in the coal mine. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem. It means that somebody wants you to believe there's a problem yes. and it could be a short seller. Yes. Credit default swaps can be used for speculation hedging or as a form of arbitrage. Um, Deutsche Bank's credit default swap surge uh, can be an indicator of trouble, but it's also there's a lot of traders, like I said earlier, betting against securities, benefiting from this bad news, and 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 them uh, highlighting. The, the spike in the credit default swaps is to their advantage. It reminds me of the evening news, right? Mm. The primary purpose of the evening news, and I have people calling, oh, what's on the news? Remember, the primary purpose of the evening news is to get you concerned enough that you stay tuned. Yep. You now we've talked about this ad nauseum. You, tune, you turn on the TV and the, the news guy says, boy, everything was good today, really good. Right. Uh, let me tell you about how good it was. You, you don't care. But credit
1: default swaps can definitely be an indicator. For example, Credit Suisse, they saw their credit default um, rate increase significantly up into the shotgun wedding between UBS and Credit Suisse. So it, it definitely can see, it can gleam light, but it can also just be because a lot of people are hedging. There's maybe not be anything wrong with the actual bank. It's just people are afraid and they want to have a hedge. They want to reduce their risk. Right. I mean, that, that could just purely be what it is, and then you have this. Have you ever seen the movie Big Short? Yes. yes. Great movie, yeah. and I think a lot of people have seen yeah, it, so like this it. will resonate with yeah, them. The credit default swap, that was kind of the basis of the Big Short. Mm-hmm. They were buying credit default swaps on these banks because of because the the mortgages and all that, and they were bad loans, and yep. so they would, yep. they knew they were going to fail, so they bought insurance against it. Yes. So when they did fail, they got paid. That was the whole premise of the Big Short. So if anyone has seen that movie or wants to see it, that's kind of— what we're talking about in this scenario. When you hear credit default swaps, and uh, your neighbor goes, "I don't
0: have any idea what's going on," I say, "Well, let me tell you about that. <laughs> let me tell you about credit defa- default swaps. Essentially, insurance yeah. against your loan, against your uh, fixed income. Excuse me, against your fixed income portfolio. And uh, when when you wake up in the morning and you you hear that uh, the, the, there's been a spike in the price of credit default swaps for Deutsche Bank,
1: first reaction is to sell the stock." You know, what's really interesting is the United States government also has credit default swaps that oh, you yeah. can invest in. Yeah. Right now, it's like 0. 0.4. Like, it's right. it's almost nothing. But it has ticked up from 0. 0.3 to 0. 0.4 because why? The debt ceiling. Sure. And we always know that's always going to worry people. And it's going to be interesting because obviously we have a lot of worries around other things right now. So I really hope they get their, you know, out of the sand and really start to work on that.
0: The thing to remember about Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank are both of those banks have had issues for years. Both of those banks have been, have been troubled uh, institutions for years uh, so that they would be more vulnerable to this spike in interest rates. Shouldn't be shocking to anyone. Over the last two or three weeks, banks have, have been the, uh, the dog and the, the, or the tail is wagging the dog, whatever. The, the uh, Banks have been leading the news every single day. Uh, all anybody cares about what's going on with the banks. That's going to continue for a while. That's not going to quiet down. In, uh, unless the, unless the federal government comes out and grants this blanket insurance for every deposit in the country. If they do that, even on a short term basis, that will calm the waters and stop the runs and stop the, 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 the problems the banks are having. <coughs> Excuse me. Yep. I, th- I think it's critical that they do that. And I think Yellen did us a, a disservice. Um, uh, She's done a lot of service for the country, but I think she did a big disservice on Wednesday when she went before Congress. Said, "No, no,
1: we're not even thinking about it."
0: Hey, at least you could lie. Well, she did call a it, you know?
1: um, she did call a secret meeting with all regulators today, and so it'd be interesting what she's talking about with some of those regulators. But we're coming up on a break. Uh, we'll be back after this segment. We thank you for joining us here on this Sunday morning. You are listening to the Money Matters Show.
0: Say it's only-
1: Welcome back to the Money Matters Show. My name is Todd Glick. I'm here with David Sherwood. And man, what an interesting week. I mean, we that, that the first 20 minutes flew by and we still have way more to talk about.
0: Yeah, it was just an amazing week and uh, no no uh, lack of things to talk about. And again, uh, up 1.4% for the week uh, brings the month back to flat, right where we started the month on the S&P 500 yep. and up 3.4% for the year. If you would have told me on the 1st of March, the things that we're, we were going to face this month and said, we're going to close the month unchanged. I just said, you're nuts. There's no way the market can uh, can weather this. A bank failing? And, multiple uh, bank failures? Multiple bank failures, international banks, one bank taking
1: over another, uh, um, uh, multiple takeovers. And what you would have never expected hearing all this, a Federal Reserve interest rate increase. And in the middle of it, <laughs> are you kidding me?
0: In the middle of this banking crisis, Fed's going to raise it. There's no way the market right. can hold up. So uh, I'm one that believes that we, we have put in the lows for the year. I don't. And, and by that, I mean, we got down to on the S&P 500 down to 3491, which is 500 points above where we closed on Friday. Um, so, I mean, we can go down 500 points. and I'm still right. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sticking my neck out real far, but I'm not one of these people that thinks we're going to go thirty three thousand thirty one hundred. I think there's enough interest in the market to, to keep us going. And I think there's enough emphasis in the, what we don't know, what we don't know is how bad this banking situation is going to tighten credit. How much are they going to have to tighten credit to get through this?
1: And it already has. They have. This, it, has, it has begun. You know, when all these bank, when the, when the board of directors go, see all these different banks of banks, the board of directors of banks see other banks failing, what are they going to do? They're going to have a meeting and say, hey, we need to tighten credit. Yep. We need to make sure we're, of course. we're not lending to some of those tier four, tier five, the bad credit people that we have been in the past. We have to stop that and reduce our budgets and other lending um, facilities. That is a tightening of credit that will be felt, not now, but six, 12 months down the road. Exactly, Todd.
0: That's exactly right. It's not, and we may breathe a sigh of relief uh, like we did Monday and Tuesday of, of last week. and say, Okay, it feels like this is over. It's not going to be over for many months. Right. Uh, it's gonna but take... that should help bring down inflation. That's the key right there. You know, when they raised the Fed, the Fed funds rate is now four and three quarters. Remember, that's... The, that's the rate that banks uh, charge each other on overnight loans. It's a, it's a guide. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a lead indicator, if you will, of interest rates, but it's not the absolute interest right. rates. I mean, Fe, the fed funds rate is not going to set where, where other, where your car loans are, you know, that sort of thing. It, it's a guide. And, I, I was listening to an economist last week, and he made a lot of sense. Uh, and the one thing he said is you're not going to see inflation drop significantly until the fund, Fed funds rate gets above the rate of inflation. And that, made, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So if the Fed funds rate is four and three quarters and inflation uh, in February was six, uh, it's, we're not a long ways off. And Powell, now, I don't know if this was to placate the markets or if he actually believes this, but um, in his comments after raising rates a quarter, he did
1: say we're nearly done. He, he did say that for the first time, we're actually going to consider either pausing or we're, we're, we don't have a decision right. next time. Right. That was very interesting comments. So which means he's getting close to done. Yeah. So if if. With this banking
0: crisis and all of the chaos that's thrown into the economy, if we get the March inflation number in February, and that's five and a half, now we're four and three quarters on Fed funds.
1: He raises it one more time to five, inflation has dropped to five, we're there. So going back on your point that you just said, the number of consecutive months with the CPI year over year that is greater than the Fed funds rate? Yes, just reached 28 if we, if it continues 28 months. into march after 28 march. consecutive months 28 consecutive months that is the most since early 2010 okay the it is unusual it is it's very unusual. unusual and it and makes sense with what you're saying like you need to have the fed funds greater to really bring down inflation yes and once the fed
0: funds rate exceeds the rate of inflation then you should see inflation start to drop exponentially
1: what you're also going to see is with tighter um sorry credit that's tightened you shouldn't see as much growth in some of those um, retail home purchases. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get this, as many people are going to be able to get qualified for loans. Because if you're going to tighten your how your criteria for giving out loans, some people then are not going to be eligible to get those loans. Let me give you one of the most fascinating numbers
0: I've heard in a while. Um, what do you think the average mortgage rate has been over the last 50 years? 5
1: Fifty years.
0: Over the last fifty years, what do you think the average mortgage rate is? Twelve percent. No, are you kidding me? Twelve. Yeah, se- seven and three quarters, which oh, is okay. which is much higher than I would have thought. Well, I mean, there was years where people were having like eighteen percent mortgages. Five years, and there's five years when it was zero. I guess or two or three. You know. Yeah. So yeah, they kind of average. I, I was gonna do. I was gonna do the median number, right? But the mean was real close, so I just went with the mean, the average. Yeah, as opposed sense, yeah. as opposed to the middle number. But yes, there were there were times when mortgage rates were twelve and thirteen and fifteen and but there have been a lot of times when they've been two, three, and four. So the average, we're not even back to the average yet. We're getting there. Yeah. But when rates uh, and I I think I was talking to Dave Hand at All American Lending last week and he said he said right now they're around six. So they're still still quite competitive, and we remember
1: 41% of the CPI is housing. Yeah, well, the other side of the coin is having low interest rate, but then you also need low prices on the house. The housing prices, they have come down, but not significantly. So it's still not affordable for a lot of people, especially with inflation increasing in other fields that they have to pay for, like food and and who knows what else they're paying for. Um, it is
0: noticeable. I mean, I, I used to go to the grocery store every Saturday, and we eat out a lot, so we don't buy a lot of stuff, you know. But uh, And I would do whatever. It's 50 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever. No, it's 90 $100. i am
1: like, what in the heck? Yeah, and, and takeout's expensive, too. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah, adds take, up quick. Expensive. I mean, your, your normal 8 $9 meals are now 13 $14, and that adds up. They are.
0: I used to I used to get a salad at at a local restaurant and and I would I would give them a twenty dollar bill and that was a substantial tip and I always felt like they smiled oh thank you
1: so much you know blah 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 it's now costs more than twenty bucks for the salad it was funny yeah. I, I was at the same sort of scenario and I was like I gave her a twenty I'm like I was like you can keep the change I'm like actually you know what is that enough to cover it because I don't even know if that is enough like, I know I don't, you don't want to be that guy you know? and we're 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 still able to
0: handle it somehow. Um, we're still tolerant of it. We're still fighting our way through it. Uh, Do you see where sales of existing homes jumped 14.5% in February? I did see that. And right. also
1: new home sales increased month over month as well, uh, slightly. They, it was below expectations, but they increased slightly as well.
0: You know, that was the first monthly increase in home sales in 12 months.
1: Wow. Uh, they've been declining steadily.
0: That's the first time in 12 months. Uh it, prices were down year over year, year over year. Prices for the first time in eleven years. Wow. Prices in February of existing home sales were below what they were in February of twenty twenty two, for the first time in eleven years. Wow. And again, the average thirty uh, year mortgage rate seven and three quarter percent. So I, I, you know, we keep talking about the Fed, Fed, and what the Fed's going to do. I think they probably have at least one more tick up in them get that fed funds rate to five but if you get a five and a half number on inflation in uh, for
1: march and then a, a five in, in april they very well may be done yeah the market's pricing in interestingly enough a price a rate cut by the end of the year now this funny? is this Isn't is looking, funny yeah the market thinks this now the fed is like yeah yeah right they actually said there's no way we're lowering rates by the end of the year that's one of the things he said during his press yeah, conference, yeah, yeah, it's like are you guys nuts? And the and the, the the market's like, yeah, we don't believe you. We think you're going to be forced to. Which the only reason they'd be forced to lower rates is you're going to have to have a, a, a significant catastrophic event, yeah, a, a significant bank that isn't able to meet its obligations, which would lead to contagion, and that's the only thing that would really make them step out in the marketplace and start buying. They they'd have to at that point, right?
0: And you're, you're absolutely. I think that probably is the the one thing that that would would change the the narrative. Yep. would be for some some major bank. And, of course, the major banks are just are, are benefiting from these this flow of deposits. And, we also saw, and they're paying nothing on them still.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like we said, we, there was problems with Credit Suisse. And then what happens? ECB comes out, they raised 50 basis points. They did more than what we did. Yes. Now, obviously, yes. their inflation has been, they, they're way behind the eight ball. They are. Um, but they did 50 basis points. And it's so interesting that they did 50 basis points after one of the most significant banks in the region had to get, Bought out. Got bought out. You, right. know, you would have never right. thought those two things are associated. We
0: are up week for commodities as well. Oil gained $2 on the week to $69. Oil had gotten down well, to, what, 65 I was going to say, after tanking last week... We certainly hope that, that Biden is... Living up he's to his not. word, he's and not actually and I'm buying oil. No, Did no, no.
1: I, I saw articles about this, and he is delaying repurchasing into the SPR. It didn't say why, but they are delaying. They continue to not purchase here. They said back in October of 2022, if it gets to around sixty-seven dollars to seventy-two, they'd start purchasing white barrels of oil to refill the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is still at historically low levels, and they have still yet to do so. It's either they are waiting for a lower Prices into the future, or they're just not living up to their word, which doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, but, I mean, come on. I mean, it's a great—it could have been one of the best trades in history. They sold at $90. They're buying back at 70 That's a pretty good trade. I, 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 it doesn't make sense to me why it hasn't happened yet. And the fact that I saw this article confirm it, it's it, It's frustrating. Yeah it's, there's, yeah, it's very frustrating. Uh,
0: U.S. Treasury's yields uh, the 10-year, 3.38, the two-year, 3.71. Uh, two weeks ago it was 100 basis points. Now it's 30. Yeah. The curve steepened much. Yes, very normal. Uh, we were able to put together bond ladders where clients were earning 4.5% net, net, net. Now that's down to about three and a quarter. Yeah. So rates have really plummeted.
1: They have. And like,
0: while the Fed
1: is raising interest rates to stem inflation. <laughs> but, you know, we'll talk a little bit after the break on why the, yield, the, the inversion in the yield curve uh, narrowing is not actually always a good sign.
0: I like that. I like that. And you're absolutely right. We appreciate your listening on this Sunday morning. Uh, get a, a Sunday without rain, I hope, which is nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to listen to us. This is
1: Dave and Todd, and we will be right back.
0: It's
1: only a paper Welcome back to the Money Matters show. My name is Todd Glick. I'm here with David Sherwood, and we got John Sebillya back here. Jonathan or John? I, you know, either one. Either one's fine. Professionally, Jonathan. My friends call me John. Okay. Well, we're in a professional setting, right, Dave? We're very we are friends, though, aren't we, friends? I don't know what to do then, Dave. What are we doing here? I could call him John. Okay. We're calling Dave him and John. Dave, John. Uh, uh, we. We introduced John last week. He is the new estate planner that we are um, partnered with, and we're so happy to have him part of our team and uh, a great reference um, for some of our clients who needs estate planning. And if you're not a client, right, and you just need estate planning help, um, John's here to help your call. If you give us a call, we'll definitely get you in touch with him, and we're happy to have you back on this week. My pleasure. And John's in our office as opposed
0: to going downtown or somewhere else that you might have to go, and, and uh, we were talking about uh, probate. Earlier. Yeah, we and were. And you and I were going back and forth about different, the pros and cons of probate. Let's talk
2: a little bit about probate. What, in the real world, um, what's probate like? You know, in the real world, probate, it just depends on everyone's situation. Most people, um, you know, uh, when they pass away, if they, their uh, assets were subject to probate, um, it could be expensive, um, you know, uh, it could be time consuming. You know, a lot of people, when they're already dealing with death, they're already dealing with the loss of a loved one, possibly. Uh, the next thing they, the worst, the next thing that they don't want to have to deal with is possibly going to a court hearing in order to be appointed a personal representative so they could actually get access to the to the assets. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible, There's a terrible process under some certain circumstances. Uh, and a lot of times you're going to have to pay an attorney, you know, um, if, uh, if, if more people knew what was available to them, uh, they could save a lot of money on the back end. You know, you may pay a couple thousand dollars for an estate plan, but you may avoid tens of thousands of dollars in probate fees uh, later on and lawyer fees. Is that about the uh, cost of,
0: uh, of a, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about living trust? Correct. Okay. So
2: it's about two thousand
0: bucks. Is the average?
2: It, it depends. I would say it ranges between two to four thousand dollars. If you're a single individual, if you're married or married uh, joint, uh, well, here in Arizona, uh, we would do a joint trust. Yeah. So uh, it ranges depending on how many people are involved, but that would be an entire estate plan. So it wouldn't be just a trust. You would also do powers of attorney. Uh, here in Arizona, we do a pour-over will. Pour-over
0: will, sure. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's all involved with the with the estate plan. For a couple grand, you got to get the notebook, right? You got to get the you, notebook. You, you're going to get all the stuff in it. I, it's not a notebook. It's a binder. It's so <laughs> a the binder. There's going to be a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of documents. <laughs>
0: and for a that. couple of grand, you got to get something that, that you have to carry out of there with some.
1: And, you know, what we learned last week is, you know, not everyone may need a trust. And John does free consultations to, to figure out if, if it is right fit. Right. Right. You're right. And so I think that's a lot of people that are afraid to even have the initial meeting to figure out if it's right for them or maybe they just need a will. And so kind of maybe go into when is it best to at least consider or maybe have an initial meeting to see if it makes sense for them to have a trust? When, what are some of the criteria you're looking for um, for people that, that maybe should start considering these type of things?
2: Considering a trust, um, you know, if you want to put strings attached, you know, I, I, I don't uh, say passing assets is passing your valuables, but passing your values. I think I may have mentioned that last week yeah. where, um, you know, if uh, you know, a lot of us have a 401k and uh, maybe some stocks and bonds, especially the people listening here today, uh, if there is, you know, you have two or $300,000 in a brokerage account and you pass away and you have a beneficiary as your child who's under 18, do we want that child to get all that money at 18 years old? You know, you're not passing your values then. So you probably want to put some strings attached, maybe get it inside of a trust. And, um, you know, maybe distribute it a little bit at 25, a little bit at 30, a little bit at 35. Um, But also have it available to them if they want to, you know, put a down payment on a house, you know, pay for tuition, pay medical bills. You know, those types of things are available. Um, And, you know, there's also asset protection features. You have a cheating, you know, your child has a cheating spouse or they get into a car accident. You have a properly drafted trust. Uh, They won't lose their inheritance. Um, If it's sitting inside a trust that's properly drafted. So, um, you know, uh, so the things I'm looking for are people who have children who might be under 18 or uh, you have assets that are above the statutory uh, limit, which would be real estate over $100,000 in equity, uh, personal property, uh, the best uh, over $75,000 that would include bank accounts. Um, brokerage accounts, um, you know, personal property. When I talk to a client, I say the best way to describe it is if you took your house and you flipped it upside down and everything that fell out, that's personal property. So it's everything combined, <laughs> <I like that. laughs> uh, it's everything combined. That's over $75,000.
0: I think too, if you have a, if you have a, a, a complex distribution of the assets and we know that the, the divorce rate's 50%, right? Mm-hmm. Which would indicate that half of us have at least two spouses mm-hmm. at some point and some have more than two. And if you have children from two or three different husbands or wives, then that the distribution of those assets, uh, it becomes a little bit more challenging.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: if you maybe have a special needs child mm-hmm. in there, yeah. uh, you're going to have a, a, something for them. Uh, minors, like you mentioned, you want, you don't want to give, uh, you know, an 18 year old $300,000. Mm-hmm. You'd probably end up with a, a broke dead teenager, mm-hmm. you know? Um, You'd, you'd have to go- govern that. Correct. And, and,
2: and you made a good point. There's, you know, the special needs provision. So I, uh, my first year going off on my own, I did have a, a, a bunch of um, uh, family uh, parents who had children with autism, and they rose to the level where they were going to require um, uh, financial assistance later on down the road. Something happens to the, happens to the parents uh, without a special needs trust um, or something set up for that child, uh, they could lose government government assistance. Um, so you know we're able to craft a, a trust for the child that if something was to happen, uh, they would not only still qualify for governmental assistance, but they would still be able to uh, uh, be able to receive and enjoy the their inheritance.
0: The uh, so so uh, short of of having a living trust, and of course, one of the things about having a living trust is is funding that trust, right? Is that's yeah. that's a real critical part. You set up the living trust, mm-hmm. you've done nothing essentially right. <laughs> until you fund it. You have right. to get your assets into that trust, right? And that takes some effort on your part.
2: So yeah, I typically deal with the uh, real estate myself because uh, I nine out of ten times that is the, those are the most uh, important assets to get inside the trust, sure. right? Uh, and, you know, a little disclaimer for everybody. I was just dealing with somebody recently um, who is not my client. Uh, they're a client of somebody else, but I noticed uh, on their deed that back in 2020, they re- refinanced their house, and title companies f- uh, force you to pull out of the trust to refinance the house. True. They don't put it back in the that's trust. True. Now they have a possible two or $3,000 estate plan that's really worth the the uh, papers printed on. So, If you did refi over the past four or five years and you did have a revocable living trust, make sure you revisit that because a lot of times uh, these people prepare these estate plans, pull the you know, refi, pull the house out of the trust, but forget to put it back in. And now we're going into probate. So now you got 50 cents worth of uh, paper. And a four thousand dollar probate to get the house out of out of your name into your beneficiaries names.
0: Right, and that goes with bank accounts, uh, automobiles. Uh, wh- what are the limitations on the pour over will, John? Uh, because I've always thought, well, I don't need to put any of that stuff in the trust. The pour over will take care of it.
2: Well, that that's pour over will is an emergency. And poor yeah, over pour over
0: P O U R. Pour, yeah,
2: poor, yeah, not, so, not 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 P O O R. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> pour. Poor, think the thinking being that that those assets that are not in the trust then
2: pour into the trust. That's a hundred percent. Are you sure you're not an attorney? <laughs> my dad was. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, that's why you know. Uh, yeah. So it, it, essentially, it pour anything that's not inside the trust will pour into the trust. Uh, I typically tell my clients this is an emergency purposes only, unless you have children under eighteen. But is there a limit to that? I mean, let's say I didn't put my house,
0: I didn't put my car, I didn't put any of my bank accounts. I've got a living trust. It's worth the paper it's printed on, right? I don't have anything titled in the living trust. I die. Wife dies. We die in a plane crash. The pour over trust doesn't
2: pour all that into the trust? Pours it in. It's personal no. property, pours it in, and then it, it'll it still go through, uh, it'll still be administered according to terms of the trust, because when you do go into probate, and I'm actually having that issue today, we we, we, we were talking about it, uh, right. where... The beneficiary on the probate is actually the trust, uh, not the not the husband. So um, we're going to pour all those assets into the trust, and it's going to be administered according to according to the trust terms. Uh, but the problem is, is that you know now we're going through probate, and we didn't have to do that.
0: Yeah, you if you had everything titled the way it's supposed to be, then it would have been real simple. You walk right. in with a death certificate and you take over. Yeah. Other ways that you can avoid probate—not uh, that probate's uh, the end of the world—but uh, would be transfer on death accounts, probably, Correct. right? Yeah,
2: you guys should know better, right? You Another financial way to do advisors, that. Every, I, uh, 401ks, I typically prefer 401ks retirement accounts. Those are beneficiary-designated assets, so you're going to want to designate a beneficiary on there. But like I, you know, what I first said is, you know, you got to hundred thousand dollar brokerage account and you have a 16 year old you know do we really want a 16 year old to get that uh, get that money so we would probably title it into the trust however if you have kids that are responsible which you know uh, hopefully every uh, all our kids are but probably not <laughs> right especially under 30 years old um, uh, you can feel feel okay about putting them as a beneficiary on on those accounts so Life insurances, that's another beneficiary designated asset where you can just put the either the spouse or you put, uh, you know, your children uh, as the beneficiary. So those will avoid probate. Uh, the big ones are real estate. Now, you know, here in Arizona, we can do what's called a beneficiary deed. Uh, that's probably a different term um, in different states. But beneficiary deeds the same thing as we discussed about the brokerage accounts you know you put a eight a 16 year old as a beneficiary of a house on a, on a deed or let's say hypothetically the beneficiary dies you know now we're going to probate right
0: the, uh, we we appreciate you listening john is in our office he's a, a lawyer he has a lot of estate uh, knowledge of, of estates uh, trust wills things of that nature uh he can help you, and you don't have to go downtown. You don't have to drive to Phoenix. Um, he is here in the office uh, willing to help, and the initial consultation is free, correct? Free. No. And we'd love to have you give John a call. Um, call any of us and just out, call the office, for 544 five four 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 nine zero nine. Ask for John. It's simple. We'll be back right after this break. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Say it's only- Welcome back to hour number two of the Money Matters show. You actually have uh, the Todd and Dave show. What I rename it, right? We could rename it for this week the the Todd and Dave show, Dave and Todd show. It's, yeah, we can't call it TD; it's already taken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> TDs. <laughs> we could call
0: it DT, but that's uh, that's bug spray from back in the day. So, we'll just call it the Todd and Dave show. Yeah.
1: So, it was interesting. Um, we had the Dow Jones down, uh, up 1.2% on the week. The S&P was up 1.4%, and the NASDAQ was up 1.7%. The Russell continues to struggle, only up 0.5%, lagging in the overall benchmarks. Uh, the NASDAQ, though, year-to-date, still up 13%. I mean, it's, it's just it's ripping. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. Up 13%. It was down 35 last year, so we got a ways to go yet. Ways to go, and... Um, you know, we are talking a lot about the Federal Reserve. They raised interest rates. And um, with last week's bank pressures as well as um, this week's um, bank pressures, it just continues to go, uh, interest rates dropped significantly. And what happened with interest rates dropping significantly is the, the yield curve inversion, which we talked a lot about on this show, decreased a lot. It dramatically narrowed.
0: like 70 basis points or seven-tenths of 1%, a narrowing of that spread. That's dramatic. Very dramatic. I I mean, I've,
1: I've had a very short career, but can you imagine? No, can, I've
0: never seen that. Yeah. And I've I mean, had a very long career. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Exactly. I mean, I, I saw reports of, of historic volatility in the interest rate. Yeah. And it just doesn't move like it did. It doesn't move like that. And so it was very interesting to see it. And as you said, the yield curve inversion, which is uh, between the two year, how much the two years. Paying an in interest and how much the ten-year Treasury is paying an in interest. Right. Normally, the ten-year should be above the two-year. Should be, but it's the two-year has been above the ten-year for about, you know, who knows? I, it was it, the first time it was inverted was last year March at this time. Yeah, and so it's it's been almost over a year. Uh, There's some times in there that it wasn't, but the the maximum inversion was a whole basis point, which a whole hundred basis points, which is one percent, right? So the two-year was one percent higher than the 10 ten-year. We saw that two weeks ago. Yes, now. It's only 30 basis yeah. points higher. <laughs> Point 0.3, Point 0.3 and yield curve inversion is indicative that we're going to have a recession in the next 6 to 12 months. So saying that the yield curve Not
0: always, but it is often, often. a predictor of a recession. But a not leading always. indicator, it, right? That's the idea. Leading indicator. Yeah, we had some fun That's about. not always right. Not always right, but often. Right. I'm feeling like this the soft landing is becoming more and more likely.
1: If we don't experience the the valves of the monetary system bust, yes, that, and, you know that, there's that, still a that, lot of pressure in these pipes. A lot of pressure. There's and a lot of pressure. I think there's a couple of pipes out there that haven't been maintained in but a while. I
0: honestly think I honestly think if if uh, the, the Biden administration would come out and say we are going to stand behind every single deposit in every single bank in this country for the next 12 months, it would be over. The crisis would be over. The
1: problem is, Dave, we have issues with other global banks, right? We saw it with Credit Suisse in Switzerland. We saw it with German Deutsche Bank, and who knows if they're actually going through issues or not. But the idea is, and you know, Dean's talked about this before, we think if there is going to be a black swan event, it's not going to happen here in America. It's going to happen in some international country, and Mm. it may spill over to us. The really interesting thing that not a lot of people are talking about is China's. Federal Reserve, and they don't call it the Federal Reserve, it's like the CCP or whatever they call it, the RRR or something like that. They cut rates 25 Mm -hmm. basis points. Uh So they're doing the exact opposite of what we're we're doing. And the reason being is they saw that their global uh, economic um, production and delivery to other countries is not as strong as they thought it would be coming out of a a pandemic lockdown. And so they see that we could see some economic slowing into the future. They're going to lower rates to kind of help their economy come back before the others, so it's it's something that not a lot of people are talking about. Also, um, with China, Russia became the number one importer of oil for them, flipping over the Saudi Arabians uh, for the first time in a while. And uh, we saw you know Z- Xi Jinping and uh, Putin talk to uh, talk to each other a week after Putin was declared an international criminal and an r- arrest warrant was um, issued for right, his arrest. Right. So very interesting. Z- the the you know, ping was like I don't care about it. I'm still meeting Vladimir and uh, they had a it seemed like a great conversation all smiles and Russia is now the number one importer into China so very interesting dynamics ex, ex, happening exporter. over there. China's number one exporter of oil into China. Sorry, yeah, okay,
0: yeah. okay, uh, it's, it's, you're confused. Russia me, Russia exports oil. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and and it's it's uh, to see them and and the uh, North Koreans and the Iranians all in bed together is. Like, well, okay, I guess we're picking sides. I guess we're choosing up sides here. Yeah, it's a little scary there. Yeah, it's you'd like that not to be the case. Uh, you know, uh, we we all like to travel. Have you have you seen this thing about the the nation of Kalasa? No, Did you I've never see heard that? that in my life. K A I L A S A 40 US cities and at least 3 members of Congress in their strive for diversity have pledged their support to this new Hindu island nation. City of New York, Newark signed a sister city agreement with them, actually sat down with them and had a sister city meeting. There's only one problem, Todd. Doesn't <laughs> 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 it doesn't exist. <laughs> scam, it doesn't exist.
2: The entire scam, this entire
0: scam, this is mind-boggling, this entire scam was per- perpetuated by an accused rapist from India, who fled the country to avoid prosecution. And he has he decided that he's not going to be prosecuted in his own country that doesn't exist. And he has agreements with 40 U.S. cities, three members of Congress. These people are supposed to be making decisions on our behalf for our country. And they're saying, okay, yeah, yeah, we, we recognize you. It just shows how nuts we are to
1: prove that we're part of this inclusivity, so it's like if I was, so he he got banned from his country. Well, no, he, re- he he escaped his country because he was okay. under, under indictment for five rapes, and then he said, and "I they, can't be extradited because I'm part of this." No, no, he city? no he, he
0: in his mind he can't uh, if he if he's from the the Hindu island of Kailasa, right? right. Uh, how are they going to extradite him because there is no Hindu item? Island of Colossae. Anyway, long story short, you've got 40 U.S. cities, three congresspeople uh, 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 saying that they're, they're in love with this place because they're they're striving so hard for this diversity and inclusivity. Uh, well, speaking inclusivity, of diversity, gone, we saw California.
1: They're going nuts as well. I just came from there. I know. You know, well, did did you hear the, the, the idea of the reparations? You can't five, even talk about that because it's so
0: nuts. Five million so nuts. dollars? I mean, it's just so nuts. You can't even talk about it. Um let's talk a little bit about asset allocation. Um asset allocation at the end of the day is what allows you to sleep at night when we are in times like this. It's what allows us to sleep at night when when we're in times like this because we know we're diversified. Uh back in March of 21 we went to short-term fixed income. We we've been in short-term fixed income the whole time. This a uh, bond bloodbath that we've seen that's causing banks to fail. We weren't part of that. We, we, we chose not to be part of that. And, and we're glad we will go we, six months ago, we, we made a 10% bet to the downside on the market as insurance. So these are all things that we do so that you can sleep at night. And when you sleep at night, we sleep at night. This is what a money manager does. A money manager reacts to and not only racks, but predicts what's coming. You look at what's coming, say there's a high probability. Like in March of 21, we said there's a high probability if interest rates start going up, the bond segment of our portfolio is going to take a hit. And the bond segment of the portfolio is there to be the stable part of the portfolio so that you can tolerate the ups and downs of the stock market. Well, if your stable part of your portfolio is going up and down, the whole thing's out of whack, Right. So if you haven't had your money manager making those kinds of changes over the last 12 to 18 months, then last year you lost more than 20% of your portfolio when you should have lost, I shouldn't say that. We lost 12 in our balance accounts. We lost 12. You lost more than 20. That tells me that your person, your guy, your gal are spending their time managing the relationship not managing your money. So I had a conversation to that end. I had a conversation with a client last week, and, and I think we need to talk about this. His point was that he said, I keep hearing the market averages 10% per year for the last 100 years. He said, but I'm not seeing returns like that. To get, And I want to remind him and everyone else listening, to get that rate of return, you need to be a hundred percent invested in the S and P five hundred at all times and have no management fee being taken out. Then you're going to get ten percent per year over the long term. It is a real number, but as the as my client pointed out, many not many see that return because not because it's fictitious, but because in an asset allocation model, most people are uncomfortable being a hundred percent in the S and P five hundred. You right.
1: well, I always wanted to add. If you were 100% in the SP 500 during the Great Recession, you right. lost 50% of your value. 50%? And you had to stomach that and say, I'm not changing anything. Yes. And also in, 2000, in
0: 2001, after the 9 11 attacks, 50% down. 2008, 50% down. March of 2020, 35% down. Difficult for most.
1: It's difficult for most people to
0: stomach that volatility. Almost everyone.
1: Unless they forget they have the account in the first place. There are
0: clients. (laughs) There are clients out there, and I know clients out there that have seven-figure accounts who it doesn't bother. Bothers the dickens out of me. You know, I'm not one of those guys. It bothers me. So it's not that the 10% is a fictitious number that Wall Street's made up. It's that almost nobody has allocated 100% in the S&P 500 without any kind of management fee. Let's talk about asset allocation. What to expect, Todd, from asset allocation? So um, this guy had his expectations. So your expectations, if you're all in the S and P 500 over a long period, let's let's call that 20 years. Let's call that long period 20 years. It's reasonable to expect a 10 percent rate of return, right? If you're all in preservation of principle. that's the other side, and we've ha- we have a few clients like that. That's 100 percent short-term CDs. Treasury ladder, you're thinking more in the terms of 4% there. Yeah, things that are you guaranteed to principal. Guaranteed. You cannot lose money. Then you're thinking more in the terms of 4 to 5% would be a good return on and that. I would argue that's a high return. The, I'm thinking you're right. It's probably more like 3 to 4 Yeah. Probably more like 3 to 4 Balanced account, that's a 60-40 account. So if you have 60% of it, so we've, we've done 100% all in, and we've done nothing in, Right. Now let's look more realistically. Most people are balanced. Most people are 60% stock, 40% bonds. Yes. In that environment, 60-40, uh, then the next step up is conservative growth, where you're looking at 70% stock, 30% bonds, and then growth, which is 80%. So you've got uh, your, stock, your stock allocation is what changes the most. In a balanced account, 60%. In a growth account, 70%. In a, a, uh, excuse me, a conservative growth count, 70, and a growth count, 80%. So, Anya, as a general rule of thumb, if you're wanting to kind of think, well, geez, you know, how how much should I do? In that growth, conservative growth, balanced area, which if you're in one of those three, uh, over time, uh, money managed by a money manager, a competent money manager, 5% is a good rule of thumb. It's conservative probably a little conservative, but five percent is a good rule of thumb. If you've got a million bucks and you don't take more than fifty thousand a year out of that, twenty years from now you should have your million bucks still, taking the fifth grand. So, so five percent. Um, this is not rocket science, Todd. It's it's we we generally we've got two choices. We've got stocks and we got bonds. Right. Right. I mean that's it.
1: We found out last year that the types of bonds really matter. Yes. And <laughs> whether they're actual bonds or not. Yeah. Right? Are they a fund of bonds or are they actual bonds? Right. Right.
0: We've, we found that out. And so, so there is variation in
1: the stock portion and there is variation in the bond portion. And that's where it maybe gets more rocket science y. But when right. it comes to just the basics, stocks, bonds, that's it's it. Very simple. Very
0: simple. And we we uh well, again we're talking about managing the relationship or managing the money. We like to do both. We like to manage the relationship and the money. You know I I have uh, w- some wonderful conversations this week with with clients, and we're we're so fortunate here in that so many of our clients, the vast majority of our clients, are actually friends. Yeah. Uh, they've become friends over the years. I go to go to functions with them, and they come to our functions,
1: and. Uh, I mean, they're, they're friends. Yeah. It's, they're also very smart. You know, it's always nice to hear new insights from outside parties that, you, you know, you're not gonna be able to hear everything yourself.
0: No, no. And I, I think you, uh, if you, uh, I will say this, Todd, if your money manager is not performing up to your standards, right? He or she may be doing a poor job, but there's also a strong possibility that it's because you've chosen an asset allocation, that's more conservative than what you're expecting. So don't don't blame the money manager if you're earning
1: six on a balanced portfolio. And there's a very common practice of how money managers find out what type of allocation they're going to be investing for a particular client. And that practice is a risk tolerance questionnaire. That risk tolerance questionnaire, we talked about it in the past, but it's a set of questions that are gauged to measure how much risk you are able to stomach during the bad and good times, and what your objectives and goals for the particular account is. Whatever those objectives and goals are and whatever risk you have is going to determine what type of allocation you should have for that particular account.
0: Sure, and we've got a number of ways to attack that. We have an online version of it. We have a paper version of it. And then because I've been doing this for a long time, and I've seen some stuff, I've got my own version of it, which is, you know, when you drive to Phoenix, how fast do you drive? Yeah. Do you own a motorcycle? Have yeah. you ever skydived? Yeah, you know that those sorts of things that help me understand, really understand, as opposed to a piece of paper or, or a computer screen, really understand what this person's tolerance for risk is. Another great clue is the portfolio that they bring us. You know the. Uh, the one way, the, the Fisher on, uh, does his commercials on TV. That's why most of our clients come to us from other money managers. Well, all of our clients come to us from other money managers. That's who they are, right? I mean, so, so when we see portfolios from other money managers, I might have a guy uh, that he is in our desk or she is at our desk because she's not happy or he's not happy. Well, let me look at what you've been doing. And then I don't want to do that, obviously, because that's not what, so all of those things together, my, my question, my seat of the pants questions, the computer uh, questionnaire, the, the paper questionnaire, and then our discussion with, uh, with looking at the, the portfolio from the other, all of those help us glean who you are and where you're trying to go. And, and, and why you're at our desk is because obviously because you don't believe that you're going there for one reason or another. So what can we bring to the table to help fix that? The diversification is probably the single most important thing when it comes to success in investing time. Um, we talked about a uh, stock like, like Nvidia, you know, which went from $10 to 350 back to 108 and then up to 300. Now, I met with a client last week, and he has—he has—he's a conservative investor, and he has over twenty percent of his portfolio in Nvidia. Well, how, how would that happen? Well, if you bought it right, if you bought it at twenty or thirty dollars, and now it's three hundred. So diversify. Keep a—if you're running your own show, make sure nothing gets above ten percent. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's IBM, Apple, Nvidia, Amazon, Google, whatever. Don't let it get above ten percent. That's—that's just too big of a portion of the portfolio. And we've seen many uh, very high quality, well-known companies over the years implode for reasons that were not clear uh, ahead of time. So get that diversification. Diversification is, is so darn important.
1: Yeah. I mean, Enron didn't really have much worries and they no. were one of the biggest and then they had all the worries. Sure. So And
0: I mean, you can name stock after stock after stock like that, 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 was really going nuts. Really, you're really making a lot of money, and and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And before you knew it, it was. You know, Carvana comes to mind, uh, Stitch Fix, uh, Peloton, uh, companies that were all that. Um, yeah. You know, DocuSign.
1: You know, um, a lot of people in their 401k, um, they get really worried when these type of scenarios happen because a lot of them they that's all they have that they that they put away so far. And I want to take a minute to just talk to some of the people that might be just listening and aren't running a lot of other retirement assets other than just our 401k. I ran it and this was going to be about compound interest. How important it is to just sit, let it do its thing and how important it is to start early. I, I ran a comparison on, on how different your investment account um, goes with just waiting 10 extra years. Now, if, if you're someone who is 35 years old and you're going to retire at 65, Let's say you're putting $600 a month away into your 401k. So it's about $300 per paycheck. So it's going to be compounding for 30 years. And let's say you get a, an interest rate around 7%. So you're going to be, it's a fairly more aggressive than most people's accounts. But with those assumptions in 30 years, you'll have roughly $680,000. Okay. Now, if you waited 10 extra years and you do the same $600 and now you're 45, you start at 45, you didn't, you didn't save at all. You still have 20 years till retirement. Same thing. $600 a month, 7% a year compounding. You only end up with about $300,000 at retirement. That's under. That's less than half for just waiting 10 extra years. So let me
0: understand what you're saying. So on the one that's $300,000, that person waited
1: 10 additional years to, to start, start contributing. Correct. Got it. Got it. Now, let's say that same person that waited 10 additional years to start contributing said, ah, who cares? I didn't want to start young because I wanted to have that extra money to go on vacation, blah, 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 blah. So I'll just, uh, when I have, when I turn 45 and I start putting away, I'll double it. Instead of putting 600 a month, I'll put $1,200 a month away. Same, same scenario. You have 20 years left, seven, 7% compounding, but that person still only gets $590,000 when they retire. That is less than the person who's, contributing less half of what that person's contributing just because they had 10 additional years that they've been putting away. They put away less money, but the reason they have more money now is because of the power of compounding. The 10 additional years made all the difference. Even with this other person doubling the contribution, waiting 10 extra years, still couldn't keep up with the person who had started 10 years earlier. So it's very important not only to start early, but stay consistent. Because the other part that's really important is that 7% return. And if you have a 7% return, that's going to be more indicative that you stuck to the plan of being aggressive throughout the years that weren't as good. like and last if, year. Yeah,
0: and if you're a younger person with time, uh, time is so important. Uh, huge. huge. Huge, hugely important. Uh, if you're a young person, you need to be 100% in the market. Hundred yes. percent. So there are going to be um, huge swings. Then there are going to be swings. There are going to be big swings. And at the end of the day, you're going to say, "Wow, I'm so glad I did that." Right. Because uh, it really worked out well. And the the ten percent rate of return over the last hundred years, this is not fictitious. That's a real rate of return. But you have to have the um, nerve to hang in there during difficult times. It's not the investment approach for someone in their fifties or sixties right. or seventies. But if you're in your twenties and thirties and forties, you need to be a hundred percent in this is because you have a lot of time on your side. The only thing that, that guarantees uh, success or, or not, I shouldn't say guarantee can't use guarantee. Right. right. But the, the, the most uh, time time is so important. Yeah. Uh, and if you have time, you're going
1: to be successful. You know, but even in the thirties and forties, there are some individuals that go way under the speed limit, right? Oh, yeah. And so they can't go 100%. Nope. And some people, they do need to take that time to do a risk tolerance and understand themselves so they don't start you know, trying to t- go all cash when the market's about to rally or sell everything uh, when the market's going to continue to rally. You know, It's it's things like that where if you're very timid and you're very worried about markets, maybe you should be a little more conservative. Um, but for the most part, it does make sense. If you have a long time horizon, be aggressive. You have a long time before you're ever going to touch that money anyways. That's, uh, you know,
0: you are absolutely 100% right, but that doesn't mean that I can't tell them what they should do. It's like you <laughs> yeah. should not drive slow in the left lane, right? Right. But right. you do. <laughs> okay, I get it. There are some people out there. What is wrong with you? you know, why do I have to pass on the right to, to get around you when you're just driving 65 miles an hour hey, on the I, left lane of the freeway? I say, though, if I'm
1: going seven miles over the speed limit, I'm not getting over in the right lane.
0: Seven, seven miles over. You're not getting in the right lane? No. What are you going to do, around. stand behind them and beep them?
1: No, no no no, if I'm if I'm the one in front and a guy runs up behind me going oh, no, 100 I get miles that. an hour. Oh no, I get that.
0: Yeah, I no, I no, I, yeah, I, no I'm with you 100%. If yeah. I'm doing 7 miles over the speed limit, you go around on the yeah. right. You you want to go faster than that. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. You always run into those things out on the freeway going. You know, there's a there's a lot more people have driver's licenses than should. Oh my
1: god.
0: Should. there's an awful lot of folks that should not have driver's licenses i've also and seen more cars than ever that don't have driver license plates you know what i saw in los an- over in uh los angeles for the first time uh a rolls royce suv oh, how wow. much how much money would you have to have to have a rolls royce suv Goodness. the big white thing it looked like a ford explorer <laughs> except the rolls royce uh, symbol on the bat on wow. the on the hood but yeah a white rolls royce suv I don't know who was driving it or who was riding in it, but uh, it looked pretty fancy, but it looked a little too big for me. I like something a little sportier than that. Anyway, we're running out of time in this first segment of the second hour. We've got two more segments to come, Todd. We've still got a whole bunch of stuff we haven't talked about.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So we'll be
0: back right after this break. Say it's only a baby.
1: Welcome back to the Money Matters Show. My name is Todd Glick, and I'm here with Dave Sherwood. And uh, let's talk about some sectors performances, huh? S&P 500
0: has 11 sectors, and it's kind of nice to every now and then to look and say, what sector is really working out? And it's technology. No surprise there. We saw the S&P, or the NASDAQ up 13% for the year against the S&P 500 up 35 So it's no surprise that the number one performing sector is technology. Actually, it's communications but communications is technology. I mean, it's it's the way they've got it. I think we've it's an archaic term. It's, it's a is a very poor. Uh, yeah, it's a very what's the word ETF. It's a very poor ETF. The communications it ETF was probably should, made before you know technology like this really existed. Me. Well, it should be Verizon and AT and T and Comcast. Maybe I don't know some. But it's got Facebook and Google, and uh, so well, what's the point? You can argue, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Technology's up 17% for the year, uh, well outpacing uh, all of the major indices. Um, consumer discretionary, Todd, up 10% for the year. Um, those would be companies like Amazon, Tesla, Home Depot, Nike, uh, things that you don't have to have but you'd like to have. At the bottom, uh, s- surprisingly, energy. Energy is at the very bottom uh, of the list, and uh, uh, second from the bottom, not surprising, financials. And then third from the bottom, not surprising, utilities. Utilities are you know, a hev- very uh, uh, he- heavily uh, uh, leveraged company, right. so interest rates are a problem for them. Financials, of course, with the with the bank chaos, that's not a surprise. And But the one leading the down
1: was energy. Energy, right, yeah. and energy kind of down because oil has been down. Um, but you know what's not been down? Gas prices. Isn't that weird? Oils keep going down, but gas prices going up for months. Oil and, and gas would track each other.
0: I would, you know, every Saturday I'd stop and fill up at my QT over there at Fort Lowell and Oracle, and I started paying attention to the price of gas. And when oil would be down, I go, well, it's going to be down today." And sure enough, it was. No. Now it ha- now it's going opposite. Now you've got oil that's fallen from. Seventy-eight dollars down to sixty-eight dollars, and gas has gone from three to three fifty. It, it just makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I'm not a oil or gas guy, so I'm not going to be able to tell you why.
0: Their excuse is, well, the the oil, the gasoline that they bought a couple weeks ago is still in the ground. You know, until that's gone, you know, they're that's high price. That's not my problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is not my problem. If some you futures, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that is not my problem. You know, you want to bet bet on that? Just go. Um, we need to talk about some stocks. Let's talk about meta first. Meta is the former Facebook and it is one of the more interesting stocks. It's doubled in the last 120 days, Don doubled in the last 120 days. On something about you it. couldn't give it away.
1: You couldn't give it away six months ago. Yeah, well, that's after they came out and um, Zuckerberg for the first time looked like a bad CEO, where he was spending way too much on on things that were not ready to be really way too many employees all focused on this metaverse that nobody knew about. Then we had the last quarter earnings come out, and he said, "Hey, we're stopping this crazy spending. We're cutting um, a lot of employees." And ever since then, those analysts that uh, you
0: couldn't give it away, they all wanted to upgrade it now. Now they're all in there upgrading it. The big the big catalyst, of course, is is AI. And then the second catalyst is this rival TikTok uh, being shut down. And, of course, they have their reels, uh, which is kind of similar to TikTok. Did you
1: watch any of that TikTok uh, congressional hearing yesterday, on, I mean Thursday?
0: I thought it was very disappointing uh, for one primary reason, and that is they didn't mention at all how much TikTok is using, being used to recruit fighters for Russia's Wagner group. I don't even know what you're referring to. It never to. even came up. Uh, Russia's primary, the primary fighting force in Russia is a private army called the Wagner group. And they're using TikTok to advertise for fighters. Oh, and giving all these go- glamorous videos
1: about what it's like to be a Wagner fighter. What to, I mean, I mean, to play devil's advocate, I don't really think uh congressional in the United States care too much about what's going on in Russia. You don't think the U S Congress cares what's going on in Ukraine? Well, I mean, I'm sure they do, but the real the real reason TikTok's in on hearing is for US national security, not Ukraine national security.
0: It well, but how does it get, how do you justify but Here's here's the interesting part. Um there's 150 million people use TikTok. It's a lot of people. Do you actually think that our elected representatives have the backbone to shut that down? Now, how many oh. people are going to vote out of the 150 million? 10? million maybe it's yeah. not They don't. these are not voters for the most part but imagine the backlash you're going to get from 150 million people and and thousands of people it's their living
1: it's the it's, way they make their living it's very people i don't think people understand that like people are making livings off tiktok the same way people make livings off youtube and being social media influencers, it's a it's an actual small business. It may sound ludicrous, but it's truly a small business for some individuals, and you are taking their livelihood away. Right or wrong, it's it's what's happening. And some not so
0: small. My daughter has a friend in Los Angeles who's one of these TikTok influencers, and she just bought a seven million dollars house, so um, she's doing okay. But and and but she's not normal. There are other people out there, Todd, as you just mentioned, who are maybe making a, a thousand a month as their second as their side gig, right? On TikTok, you're going to shut that all down? I honestly don't think that's going to happen. But that's been a big part of what's caused Facebook to double in the last 140 days. Yeah, is the
1: belief that their competition is going to be shut down, and I don't see it. And I also think that's a worry th- that that worries me about Meta because normally you buy the news and then you sell the rep- well, you, you you buy the rumor, you sell the news, right? Right. And the news w- in this scenario would be TikTok's banned. Um, at that point. The meta is already going to have run up to wherever the investors think that would have made them valuable too.
0: Yeah, you might actually have the announcement that banned the stock sells
1: off. Right, exactly. That, that could actually happen. I just have a hard time... It would be about six months down the road even if they do.
0: I know, and I just don't think our Congress has the backbone for it.
1: I think it's more political theater showing that we you know, we care, we're going to try to... Yep. And I think they're, they're going to try a forced sell. I mean, I do think an American company is going to buy them, uh, but I don't think they're going to be able to ban them. No. That's going to be really tough to pass and get public opinion. I think so. I
0: think so. Uh, Tesla got a, uh, got, got an upgrade of their debt, which I thought, well, okay, yawn. Uh, But it gained 8% that day. Stock rallied 8% in a, in a, uh, a flat tape, in a quiet tape. Uh, And the only news I saw was that Moody's uh,
1: raised their debt rating from junk to investment grade. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be one of the most interesting stocks that we look in 10 years and we look back and be like, you know, we don't know how it's going to perform, but, In 10 years to see where it's at, that's going to be fascinating. You know, whether they were able to get more market share, which I just can't see happening. I
0: can't imagine how Tesla gets more market share. I just can't see it. It just seems impossible. And then
1: they're already so overvalued on earnings that it's just hard to make a long-term bull case, but they are in a long-term bull industry, right? In EVs. So it's, it's, and it's not that we don't like
0: Tesla uh, uh, or or are against electric cars. Don't get us wrong. Right. Uh, It's that, it's that, Every month, it seems like there's a new—at uh, least every couple months—there's a new competitor in the space that so they're going to get market share. Now, is the market growing? Absolutely. So, can Tesla keep their share of the market flat? Possibly. It's possible, Todd, because of the growth of the market. Right. So that's true. Uh, you know, maybe they—maybe they, they—they don't lose market share. Maybe they just go flat. But it's I'm with you. I think they probably lose market share, not because of anything they did wrong, just that everybody else kind of wants to be a little cooler than that, and that's kind of the new Lexus. You know,
1: everybody yeah. has one. I do think though, if Tesla is able to make a, a cost-effective car, that will be able that will lead them to be a, you know kind of like a Toyota in the EV space, um, being able to be a solid, low-cost option, but a good product. That's the only vision I can see that really works in the long run. I don't think they can compete in high luxury. Yeah, and they are
0: they are kind of the Toyota of the electric car world in that, that they're the most dependable. They're perceived right. as a, the most dependable. They've got the most experience. There's no question about it. If you're going to lay out money for an electric car doing anything other than Tesla, it's kind of rolling the dice a little bit. You've been watching any good shows on Netflix lately? Uh, that, what's the one that's coming back this weekend? Uh, Yellow Jackets.
1: I have not watched Yellowjackets. Oh, that is
0: that's a scary
1: show. Do you share any passwords with any of your family members on Netflix? No, but you got something going on
0: there. I can feel it coming. I do. I actually pay
1: my bill and don't share it with anybody. A true American. I am a true American, but (laughs) I have I know people who do share. Well, I guess Canadians also share because uh, Netflix. Obviously, they're trying to do this password crackdown thing, and they started in some smaller segments of their market. Uh, Some of that smaller. market shares in Canada. That's one of their smaller I think um, Australia
0: segments. New Zealand and there are a couple some of the other ones. where
1: they're, where they're trying this this crackdown. And some people might be might be wondering, you know, why was Netflix up 9% on Thursday, seemingly no news. Well, the report was a third-party data provider said ad viewing was strengthened after cracking down on password sharing in Canada. So obviously, saying that more ads reviewed means more revenue for Netflix, which sent the stock higher mostly because Netflix is cracking down on passwords here in the US in April next month. So um, once you log into that Netflix in April, maybe it's later April, so maybe May at that point, uh, and and you don't truly own Netflix, it's interesting to see what they're going to do. Obviously, it's going to have to do with something about IP addresses. It's really easy to um, be limiting a person's Netflix account access to a certain number of IP addresses. An IP address is associated with each one of a technological advance, um, technological device that's connected to the internet. So if you have a, 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 a smart TV that's connected to the internet, it has an IP address. Right. If you have a phone that's connected to the internet, it has an IP address. So Netflix has a very easily, they could just say, hey, you, ha- you have three IP addresses you can connect your account to, anything more than that, it's not going to be able to do, or you have to take one of those other three accounts and take them off your plan. That's how it's most likely probably how they're going to do it. Um, be interested to see how it really comes. But uh, I think a lot of Americans are going to be upset when they realize this is really coming to fruition. Well, I think it's common sense. I mean, they have a
0: product that people want. Uh, if you have a, if someone has a product uh, that you want, you ought to be willing to pay for it. True. And that's, that they've been able to skate along and not pay for it. To me, it's, I've no, I know I have people in my life that are sharing other people's Netflix, and it kind of irritates me to be honest with you.
1: And if it works for Netflix, you know, other streaming devices, uh, platforms will also follow suit. You know, I'm sure they will. Disney, you know, Hulu, all those different um, streaming platforms. I mean,
0: it's not fair just because Netflix is successful and has a lot of money. It's just it's not fair that 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 you cheat them, yeah, out of out of revenue that they are entitled to you're you're using their product you ought to pay for that and that you've been able to find a way to get around it uh to me it's frankly a little little distasteful so i I hope they're successful and i hope they 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 go great guns from here again we thank you for listening we've got one more segment uh if i haven't irritated you yet i'm i'll try to in the next segment (laughs) go netflix right (laughs) we'll be back we'll be back right after the break Welcome back to the Money Matters Show. This is the last segment. You've got Todd, you've got Dave, and we're bringing you the Money Matters Show, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. We've enjoyed bringing it to you. A lot went on this past week, very volatile, and I think it's going to be volatile next week too. Uh, Probably going to go on for another few more weeks until we maybe get into the summer doldrums. But I could see a little bit. The volatility, I think, is here with us until we get some resolution of this banking issue. I personally think it's going to take our government saying all deposits with all banks are insured, uh, are are protected by the U.S. government for the next month, two months, three months, six months, whatever. I'd like to see a year and and let this whole thing quiet down. and, And so a year from now, we'll be saying, do you remember that banking crisis? And you're going, eh, not really. Yeah, you know, that's that's what I'm hoping
1: for. I, I, I am a little worried that, you know, with commercial real estate being in so much trouble as it has been in the past years, uh, the people that uh, loan to give le- um, loans to commercial lending yes. is predominantly sized banks.
0: Yes, absolutely. So that and the office, you know, the office REITs are involved. They're right. down 60 to 70 percent over the last 12 months. Barclays thinks there's more downside to go uh because it's been so difficult to get people back in the office there's just so much empty space
1: yeah uh, i mean i i see offices here locally where yeah. i'm just like it looks
0: like a ghost town even here in tucson yeah absolutely any and you a place like los angeles or any place where you got a bunch of high rises phoenix would be a, a phoenix downtown you think it would be a, oh yeah i'm a, sure a ghost, a ghost town um uh, it's just the the uh, uh, Chewy's, the online pet supply company, you know, they had they had they had uh, when the pandemic broke, uh, their stock just plummeted, dropped, dropped, uh, dropped, well, it got cut more than half, more than in half because people said, wow, we don't need them anymore. We can go to the store and buy our dog food. Well, they, they did rally nearly 70 percent off of their May 22 low. Uh, which is in the last, that's not even 12 months, uh, they were lower on Thursday. This is, this is interesting. They reported sales that were above expectations, earnings that were above expectations, but get this, Todd, their active user metric was marginally lower. So the stock opens lower. You know, again, that's all news is bad news, how you're having it. Right now, we're in that environment where where people are pulling these quarterly reports and digging into the minutiae
1: to find anything that's wrong. Yeah, that's funny because, you know, two months ago when we had a lot of these big tech earnings and some other big companies report earnings, it seemed like the exact opposite. Yes. It seemed like they all had guidance where they were guiding down their guidance. They're like, yeah, it's probably not going to be as good as we said it was going to be, and the stock was still rally. Yeah. And now we're seeing the opposite just because of sentiment.
0: Right, and that's what you get. You know, in an up market, you go well. Uh, you know that that sucks, but you're pretty. You know, <laughs> and in a down market, you got yeah. Well, okay, you're ugly. I don't care what you say. You know, uh, I mean, really, it's, right. it's 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 all news is bad news. All news is good news. Coinbase, oh, you know yeah. that that's had a heck of a year. You saw Bitcoin.
1: Uh, Bitcoin is up sixty percent this year. Bitcoin's been fascinating, isn't it? Been- I mean, it's been almost correlated with gold over the next last couple of months. Been unbelievable. I mean it. Who would have thought Bitcoin is the, the flight-to-safety trade? And it may not be. But, again, you're seeing the flight-to-safety, some some of these big tech names, but also gold. Like, gold has been rallying. It's almost, it, I think it hit 2,000. Well, remember
0: why? Remember why? The dollar. The dollar has been priced in dollars, right? And the true. U.S. dollar has been sinking, which is really good for
1: 3M. And the United Technologies. And what's also and, been sinking, interest rates. Right. Right. And so right. that's what helps big tech ha- um, keep rallying. That helps Bitcoin keep rallying because they're all risk-related assets um, that are very sensitive to interest rate moves.
0: Yes. Yes. And as interest rates fall, the, the dollar will decline. There's less interest in the dollar. Dollar decline, gold rallies. Yeah. Right. So it, it uh, there's, uh, anyway, Coinbase just uh, has, the stock had doubled this year on a resurgence in Bitcoin, uh, but it's still, still down over 60%. It's doubled, but
1: it's still down over 60% in the last 12 months. Yeah. So it had to double to be down 60%. Well, the same thing we saw with Tesla, too. I mean, I think they're up 70% year to date or something like that, something just crazy. And, they're still down like sixty you percent know, over the yeah. last year. Despite
0: the resurgence of Bitcoin, Coinbase uh, dropped uh, dropped fifteen uh, percent on Thursday. Uh, company received a notice from the SEC regarding potential violations. You don't want to get a Wells notice from the SEC. No,
1: but, you know, I'm really upset with the SEC on this one because Coinbase has for months, almost years at this point, asked the SEC, what can we do to make sure we're on the right side? We want to be in your good graces. You know, we're having talks and nothing ever came out of them. And then they come out and and give them this Wells notice. Look, there's no such thing as fair in this world, but it's pretty not fair. I agree. Hey, Panera
0: Bread is piloting Amazon's palm scanning technology. Have you heard about this technology? No. You check out with your palm. You put your palm on the machine. Instead of your come, instead your uh, your phone, instead of your credit card, you put the palm in your hand. On why the do you need the whole
1: palm? Like I guess, like you only really need a finger. Palm reader, a thumb. Palm reader. I know, but our thumb is all different. So no. why? I don't know. They have to talk to Amazon. It, 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 they're doing it at two locations
0: in St. Louis. Tenera has always been kind of cutting edge when it comes to technology. Um, they already have this technology at a dozen Whole Foods locations. I don't think it exists in Tucson,
1: but I can't afford to go to Whole Foods. So, Who can? My goodness. <laughs> Another interesting <laughs> stock that popped this week was Activision Blizzard. Now, we know they're yes. going to get taken over um, by Microsoft. After- we don't know that. We we're thinking that might. it's more likely to happen now. Right. There's been a deal that Microsoft wants to do. Microsoft wants to take it. They over, really right? want to, but regulators... regulators, yeah. right are no, It's not going to happen. Hold on, hold on. Right. Yeah. Regulators exactly. are like, don't, not so Exactly. Fast. Not so fast. Exactly. Um, but a UK regulator said, yep, yeah, you know what, I'm out of this one. He's dropping his concerns over the console. Um, re- really, it was the concern over having the Microsoft making the console and then Activision Blizzard making the games and saying that that's a... Uh, too big of a monopoly kind of thing, mm-hmm. but the UK regulator said, "No, I, I'm done with this one. I'm going to reduce how much I'm looking into it." But the EU, as you said, as well as the FTC, are still um, knee deep in that one.
0: Right. and I didn't finish one last thought on that uh, on, the, on the Panera Bread thing. The palm the palm reader. Uh, the company has received backlash from privacy groups uh, that it, it, it uh, and and Red Rocks Amphitheater, big amphitheater in Colorado. Uh, recently, dropped the payment plan method. They had adopted it, and they dropped it because of this backlash on privacy. You're going to put your palm
1: prints in the cloud. Somehow, that's going to be a problem. I mean, I could definitely see how that could be a problem because if you do anything in the future, they could just match your palm print. I mean, how they could easily go to any any um, regulatory body or or um, I don't know how you would say an officer could just yeah. a- ask for a. a and do that a lot of a lot of a lot of pushback from privacy groups uh, about this whole whole
0: approach um kellogg uh down nine percent uh, in the last 30 days kellogg was uh, did get a a push up in that they were going to split into three public companies turns out they've changed their mind there's going to be two public companies going to be kellogg and their snack company which is kelanova Hmm. Interesting
1: I've heard of the Bossa nova, But not the Kelanova. Did you hear about The Stock Block this week Yes uh, Yes that, that rhymed You know that was very intentional Stock there. Block Stock Block I like that um, It's an actual company Called Block Yes, yes. I And mean, it used to be called Square so Yeah that's true I don't know yeah. why they changed it Owned, no, neither, owned by Jack the shape of the thing right A box and a square Seems like the same thing Yeah it change? does doesn't it <laughs> Okay Jack uh, Dorsey Who used to own Twitter Yeah And no longer does No Well uh, was part no. owner I guess Taken uh, away from him he, He's now I guess I want that Fully into square or block, whatever you want to call it. Yes. And um, there was a short interest seller. And can you remind me of the firm who put out the release? It's like Hindenburg Hindenburg Research. is exactly who it was. Hindenburg Thank Research. You, and, to, and Hindenburg. They've been known to call out. Um, they, they're a short selling firm. So that's what they do. And they, they go into and find Short companies. sellers are
0: betting on a stock declining, right? Right. You, you sell a stock you don't own in, on the bet you're going to be able to buy it back cheaper.
1: Yeah, and really what they're trying to do is go into companies and find out whether they're going to survive or not or whether they have unforeseen issues that other the public isn't seeing. And then they bet on that. And what they said with Block is that they facilitated fraud by their payment processing systems. And, you know, personally I have some experience with people using PayPal and Square that I've known who have defrauded people and made a lot of money using those platforms because of some of the safeguards that aren't set up with these payment processes so i don't know how true it is but i will say from my own experience i've seen people use these platforms for fraud uh, when you say that are
0: you talking about using them for uh, illegal purchases uh uh buying double spending dr- buying drugs or uh... no more
1: double spending you know sending someone money and then not truly sending it there's there's a there's a weird i don't know if it's a glitch or so scamming it's scamming 100 percent scam fraud whatever you want to put it it's there's something that I don't know how to do it, but I've seen and heard people make a lot of money scamming other people using these services.
0: It's kind of interesting, isn't it? You come out and tell people that you have sold a stock short because it's fraught with fraud. Stock goes down by 20%. You make 20% and you close it out.
1: I mean, I yeah. don't understand how that's legal. Well, I don't think they close it out yet. I think there's a limit to how long they can... They have to wait a certain time before no. they can close it out, don't they? Me? No, they all they,
0: they disclosed that they had shorted the stock. Okay, there's nothing that says that now. Tomorrow
1: they disclose that they've closed it out. Well, the same thing is if, if if an analyst puts out a sell rating on a company, they can't do any action on that company for a while. They're, well, they're an analyst, but but if you're, well, I'm
0: a sure there's analysts, similar rules. If you take take a ten percent, has well, got to be we similar We found rules. that it's not true. with Remember with Best Buy. OK, remember with the guy took the short position or t- uh, took the short position, went along the stock and then he was short the stock went, got out of the stock almost within two weeks. I didn't completely I didn't closed it out. Anyway, that was about a, that one. Neither here nor there. Anyway, we appreciate the opportunity to bring you the show. We're kind of coming to the end of the show. We uh, look forward to having uh, Dylan back next week and I guess Dean in a, a couple of weeks. Um, we we miss them both. Uh, we're not a uh, we're like a three legged stool. Without them, Is a three-legged stool or a two-legged
1: stool. I don't think three-legged stool there actually. It's a
0: three-legged stool, and it would work. Oh, I
1: guess yes. Yes, yeah, so a triangle formation. Maybe a three t- three tire car. We could just work. say two-legged stool. I think that would be
0: two-legged stool. That would cover our A yeah, Two-legged stool is not going to work. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate the opportunity to come that you joined us today. Uh, thank you. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday with the Money Matters show. We always have a lot of things to talk about. We know that everybody should be happy. Yes. And as we get a little grayer in the head, or my wife says I'm not gray, I'm white, uh, we yeah. want to be healthy. Yeah. But the most important thing that we're striving for, a Greenberg Financial Group, is to be profitable. profitable. See you next week. Say it's only-